This morning I want to uh, share a, a simple message, and the, the message is simply called Surrender. Last week we spoke about being a friend of God, and we were reminded that not all of us are friends of God. God wants to be our friends, but not all of us are friends with God. And so I suppose going on from that this morning, I want to talk a little about surrender and what it means and what it might look like in our lives to surrender to God. And we're going to go into Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. And this is probably the longest and the um, most systematic of Paul's epistles, where he makes the argument or the case for um, salvation by faith. And he talks about the hope that we can have, not just for this life, but for the life to come and for the time to come. And so Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and it says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Get a hold of that right from the very start. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Note that Paul says, as believers, we are people who, he takes it as read, that as people of God, as children of God, that we don't operate in the flesh but rather we operate in the spirit because we are fundamentally, and first and foremost, people of spirit, not people of flesh. We are spirit living in a physical body. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things, sorry, and those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind is set on the flesh. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And we've talked about that in recent weeks, the fact that unless you have the Spirit of God, unless you have Holy Spirit living in you, you cannot even call yourself a Christian because it's Holy Spirit who marks you, who defines you, as a Christian, not yourself. We live in an age where people self-define. Well, we do not self-define whether we are Christian or not. Holy Spirit defines whether we are Christ Christian or not. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dwe dead dwells in you, 
he who raised G uh, Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to you in your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so this morning I want to share briefly about what it means to surrender, uh, to live a life of surrender. Uh, the dictionary sur defines surrender like this, to relinquish possession or control of something to another because of demand or compulsion. Well, we don't relinquish, uh, we don't surrender to God because he demands it. I would like to believe that as students, as, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, we surrender to Christ because of a compulsion in us, because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The picture of surrender is, as Paul has uh, said already in that text that we've just read, the picture of surrender is this, that we were once enemies of God and our lives were completely at odds with God and remember again going back to last week we cannot assume we are friends of God because unless we live lives of obedience then we are not friends of God God wants to be our friends but we cannot assume that we ourselves are friends with God. The Bible tells us, as we have just read, that there was a time when we were God's enemies. And maybe some of you are still in that state. You are still at odds with God, exercising your own will, exercising your, you know, wanting to fulfill your own agenda. Again, we're reminded that we didn't submit to him, but that we were not surrendered to him. But we wanted rather to be our own lords, our own masters, doing our own things, exercising our own will. And in doing so, we were robbing God of everything that he has given us. Everything that Christ Jesus has purchased for us on the cross. By exercising our, our own will, doing our own thing, we are robbing God of everything that he purchased for us. But then, but then, a miracle happens in the life of the believer. The Bible tells us that for every believer, we need to be born again. It says we cannot enter the kingdom without being born again. John 3, 3, Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 reminds us, therefore... Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So when we come to Christ, when we submit our lives to Christ, something 
miraculous happens in our life. First of all, we, 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 um, we become heirs to the kingdom of God. We become sons and daughters. But also the reminders Paul tells us in that his uh, second letter to the Corinthians that when we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So there shouldn't be anyone here in, this, in the house this morning who professes to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus sitting there with a sense of shame upon you because Christ has done it all. If you are alive in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old self, Paul says, has passed away and the new has come. And in that newness of life for the believer, it means this. It means that we should no longer have a desire to do our own thing. We should no longer have a desire to exercise our own will. We should be a people who are eager to place ourselves at his disposal, at the Father's disposal. We should be a people who are willing to put ourselves under his will, a people who are willing to do whatever he asks of us at any cost. At any cost. And we can't do that of ourselves, but we do it as Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us to live the Jesus life. You see, Holy Spirit allows us to live lives of obedience and submission to the Father. Not that we, not that we get the glory, but so that the Father gets the glory. Everything Jesus did was to glorify his Father in heaven. And likewise, everything we do is not to draw attention to ourselves. Jesus never ever drew any attention to himself. Look at the scriptures. Everything that Jesus did, he pointed to the Father. Nothing ever pointed to himself. He was simply the way. And everything we do is to glorify our Father in heaven. And so I know, because I'm looking around and I know many of you, I know that most of us have, a, have a, an innate desire in us to live lives to glorify God. I know that most of you want to live lives of obedience I know that most of us want to get things right and we want to do those things that glorify God. And so in us, there is this desire to surrender ourselves to God even if the language of our lifestyle says something else. And what do I mean by that? Is that we may have the desire, you may be sitting there saying, I would love to surrender myself and, li and, myself and live a life of obedience to God, but my lifestyle or the things that I do say otherwise. We're in this constant tension, this constant battle of wanting to please God, wanting to surrender, wanting to place ourselves under his lordship, and yet we can identify things in our lives that say contrary to that. Because if we truly love the Lord, if we really wanted to live our lives of surrender, then surely it would mean we would get everything right. Surely it means that we would never make a choice for self, but we'd always make a choice toward him, toward the Father. And yet we know the reality of the matter 
that we constantly, we regularly, we daily make choices for and toward ourself, not God. And the Bible talks about what we, what I think we should all have some understanding of as what it means to surrender to God. Luke 14, verse 33, says this, Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And Jesus is not saying that we can't own things. But what he's talking about is he's saying if we're not prepared to put everything else after him, then we can't be his disciples. So let me ask you, are you truly surrendered to Jesus? Again, in Matthew 10, 37, Jesus says, Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, is Jesus saying that you know, we, we don't love our children? Of course not. Many of us in here are parents. And of course he's not saying we don't love our children, but some people misunderstand that. Some people misunderstand what Jesus is saying. But again, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, if you put him first, if you make him first above all other things, then the natural outworking of that is that we are going to be better parents. We are going to love our children. We are going to love our parents with a godly love. We're going to be better um, we're going to be better lovers, if that's the right word, of our children and our parents. But that's dependent on us submitting our will and laying it down and, and coming under the lordship of Christ Jesus. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And that's a big one because... Again, when we talk about the question of surrender, are we really, as we sit here this morning, as you watch perhaps online, can you say that you love the Lord with all your mind? Is your thinking totally consumed with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are your thoughts always toward Him? In our souls, is our desire to honor Him? I can't say that. I can't say that, that, you know, every waking minute and hour of my life, my thoughts are consumed with, with thoughts of, of honoring Jesus. I can't say that. And so for me, there's something that I can learn about what it means to surrender to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. And I'm fairly certain I'm not the only one. Philippians 3, 7 Verses 7 to 8 says, But whatever, Paul saying this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul actually used the word. And I'm being polite. Paul actually used the word dung or excrement. I count everything as excrement 
for the sake of gaining Christ. In other words, Paul understood that everything that we have, as good as it might be, as, as much as we love it, compared to Christ, it's like excrement. Compared to the glory of heaven, it's worthless. It's stinky. It's smelly. It is as nothing. He understood, Paul understood what it means to surrender and to place himself under the lordship of Christ. You see, to place ourselves and surrender to Christ means that we won't withhold anything from him. There's no desire to withhold everything from him. When we surrender to Christ, it, it stirs in us. But remember, because we're new creations, what that new man should do is live a life that is pleasing to God. It should, we should be living lives where we're no longer concerned with what we want because we've tried that already and we've seen that when we do what we want and we work things out the way we think it should be, we mess up. We've tried it. We've been there. We've bought the t-shirt. And so, we want to be or we should be as a new man, woman of God. Those who withhold nothing from God. We should be those who want to be totally at his disposal your will not my will be done lord and yet yet we know that every single one of us without a doubt falls shy of that standard every single one of us so the question then if we talk about surrender is how can we be sure if we are fully surrendered how can we know? How can we have the assurance that we are fully surrendered to the Lord? How can we be certain that we know we are loving God with all that we have, spirit, soul, and mind? How can we know that, our, that we've truly renounced everything of the world for his glory and for his honor? You see, God desires that we love nothing more than Jesus. We need to learn to love Jesus again. I need to learn to love Jesus in his fullness again. We need to learn to love Jesus. Want nothing more than him. We should learn to treasure Jesus above everything else. Putting all things aside. But the reality is this. That even though we have the desire, even though we want to live lives toward Jesus, even though we want to honor him with everything we have, I find myself from time to time asking, am I really authentic or am I fake? Am I just deluding myself? When I say I'm living a life for Christ, or is it the reality? And I wonder if any of you ever think that at times. I wonder if you ever ask yourself, am I, am I really living the Jesus life, or, or am I just deluding myself? Am I just going through the motions? Am I just being fake? Let me help you. Let me put myself out of misery. Let me help you. The reality is this. 
that it doesn't matter how long we have been a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are always going to have those moments where we doubt. We can't get away from it. We are always going to have those moments where we question ourselves and say, Lord, did I get that right? Am I, you know, am I doing this for you or am I just living for myself? Am I really surrendered to you in, in the fullness of all that that means? Listen, don't beat yourself up, folks. We're always going to be asking questions like that. We're always going to be doubting ourselves. It's, it's human nature. You see, when we look at ourselves instead of at Jesus, we're always going to end up with the wrong answer. When we look at ourselves instead of Jesus, we are so mindful of all our shortcomings and failings. No one knows us better than ourselves. But we're not called to look at ourselves. We're called to look at Jesus. And when we begin to look at Jesus, when we begin to look at Jesus, then we realize that it becomes possible to have the assurance and to know for certain that yes, we are living an authentic Jesus life. I wonder how many of you come with doubts this morning about whether you, you are make, make, making the standard, as it were. And of course, we're not talking about faith by works, but you understand what I mean. We all have those doubts. Am I really meeting your standards, Lord? Am I really living a life that glorifies you? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 3 said, If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Well, if I give up all that I have, if I give my body to be burned to the flame, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul is saying in that, he makes this point, that it's quite possible, it's quite possible that we could give, do the ultimate sacrifice, however that might look in terms of giving our lives, and still not know what love is. You see, there are plenty of people who have given their lives for um, ulterior motives that they might be remembered perhaps that they might in in history or in days to come that they might be looked upon as good enough or a good person there are plenty of people who have given their lives and not really known the love of God and Paul says if I give my even if I give make the ultimate sacrifice but I don't know the love of God, it's a waste. It's a waste. It's just fake. It's, I'm not living the Jesus life. I'm, I'm just deluding myself. I'm just conning myself that I'm who I think I am. The New Testament, however, makes it clear that God does not want any of us. God does not want any of us to live in a fear that we can't be sure about whether or not we're living our life for him. He wants us to know the assurance that we are doing our best and that God himself finds it 
acceptable. And I'm not talking about just works. Stories told of, um, of a, a mother doing the school run one morning and her son is in the back seat of the car. Maybe some of you know what this is like and the, and the son is kicking and, and screaming and the mother says, sit down, put your seatbelt on because I can't move until you sat down. And the boy is standing up, he's jumping up on the back seat of the car and she's shouting at him, she's losing her patience. Sit down, put your seatbelt on. No. If you don't sit down and put your seatbelt on, you're not having any tech for the rest of the week. The boy thinks about it then. He sits down, puts his seatbelt on, and then he says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. You see, it's possible, friends, to have all the outward show to do all the right things, but still not be in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's looking for is hearts that are sitting down on the inside, as well as those actions on the outside. So, so what do we do then? What can we do to assure ourselves, to know the assurance of living lives of surrender to him? Well, first of all, just three simple keys. Speak the truth of full surrender. Remind yourself that you are surrendered to Jesus. Rem speak um, speak surrender in all truthfulness. In, that is, as much as you are able to be honest with yourself, speak it out. Say, I love you, Jesus. I love you more than anything else in this world. I want to live a life that is in full surrender to you. Speak it out. You know the power of hearing a confession I don't know how many times I've been saved when I've listened to myself speaking about the gospel. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? Sometimes you know, you're in conversation with someone and they're asking you about faith and they're asking you about the gospel and you're just sharing. And even as you are sharing, you're encouraging yourself as you hear back what, you, what is inside you and what you know to be true. And likewise... In terms of surrender, speak it out, confess it, say, Lord, I'm going to live my life in full surrender to you. I'm going to lay down everything. I'm going to lay down whatever it is. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit will highlight something. Well, confess it. Say, Lord, I'm willing to lay it down and allow Holy Spirit to work in us. Paul, again, in Romans 8, 16, says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. You see, because Holy Spirit lives in us, he's the one who bears testimony. He's the one who tells us, who affirms, who confirms to us that actually, listen, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. Of course you mess up, but you're doing okay. Because you've made a habitation, a place of dwelling, a tabernacle in your heart. A place where I can dwell. You're doing okay. Again, when we speak out, it, when we speak out and we confess things, it, it solidifies, it consolidates the, the thing that we are speaking out or affirming. It does good sometimes to speak it out. Not just think it. 
Speak it out. Stand in front of a mirror. Speak to yourself. Tell yourself that you are living the Jesus life, that you're going to do all that you can to glorify God. John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and truth. It's the Spirit who gives life, and Holy Spirit is necessary. Look, I'm not talking about some sort of um, self-help thing here, where we talk ourselves into believing we're living the Jesus life. I'm talking about releasing the Spirit, the one who is already in us, and allowing Him to affirm us before the Father. The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh is of no use at all. So in the things of God, in the things of God, we can't do it cerebrally. cerebrally. In other words, we can't do it just by thinking about it. We are absolutely dependent on Holy Spirit to affirm us and to confirm that what we are speaking, that what we are living is authentic because He is the mark. Him and Him alone. Speak it out. Affirm again to yourself that you are living the Jesus life and allow the Holy Spirit to confirm that in you. Secondly, live out the truth of full surrender. In other words, don't just do it. Don't just say you want to do it. Do it. Find opportunities. Allow Holy Spirit, allow Holy Spirit to, to um, speak in your life. And when he speaks, then make a choice to live or to activate those um, godly inclinations. You know, when you hear that still voice, of, that still small voice of Holy Spirit, or rather that gentle voice, that voice of rest, that voice of peace, allow yourself, allow yourself to take time and listen with your, the, the eyes of your heart, as it were, to what Holy Spirit is saying. And when you hear, when we hear, then make the choice to live our lives toward him to choose those things that holy spirit prompts us to often when holy spirit takes us in a direction or tells us to do something it will often move us out of our comfort zone we've many of us have been there haven't we it will often move us out of our comfort zone it will often stretch us but the miracle, and this is a truth, the miracle is so often found in the stretch. The miracle is so often found in those moments where Holy Spirit takes us to a place where we are beyond our own ability, beyond our own resource. The miracle is often in the stretch. So choose to live out the truth of a, a life fully surrendered to Jesus. Because when we begin to live that life out, when we begin to hear what Holy Spirit is saying and do what Holy Spirit is saying, then we begin to live the authentic life. Then we can know that we are living lives that are truly surrendered to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. And lastly, 
Ask for the gift of assurance. Ask for the gift of assurance. Look, none of us are, I would like to think that none of us are cocky enough to believe, you know, to stand in our own confidence and our own ability, believing that everything that we have done and because of the way that we live is what has brought us our salvation. Because again, the Bible tells us clearly that it's nothing to do with us. It's a grace of God by faith. Live, ask God for the gift of assurance. And when we ask for that gift, God is good, God is gracious, God is loving. He will bring that assurance to us. Because he doesn't want us living in that duality, in that he doesn't want us to be living like ships tossed to and fro in the um, throes of, of, a, of a spiritual storm. But rather he wants us to have the assurance. And again, the reminder there, Romans 8, 16, which we've already heard, that it's the Spirit who bears witness. The Spirit is the one who testifies to the fact that we are living lives of surrender to him. So ask Holy Spirit, if you're not sure, if you're not sure that you're living a life that meets God's standards, and you should, none of us should be in any doubt, and it's not because of us, it's not because of us, it's because of the grace of God, but we can have the assurance that the life that we are living meets God's standards because of the assurance and the affirmation of Holy Spirit in us. The assurance of our full surrender is a grace gift of God by his Holy Spirit. And so, we are called to live lives of surrender. So what does that look like for us this morning? as a people? What does it look like for you as individuals to live lives of surrender? So can I say then, in concluding, speak the truth of full surrender. Speak it out. Remind yourself, remind yourself who you are, what God has met, enabled you to do. Speak out the truth of a life of full surrender. Live out the truth of a life of full surrender. Take time to listen, to hear what Holy Spirit is saying and choose to incline yourselves toward Him rather than to our own will. Ask for the gift of assur the assurance of full surrender. So that you can know, you can know, you can know that you are meeting God's standards. Hallelujah. Praise God.